Well, good morning. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Um, hope everybody's doing well today. It's the 4th of July weekend. Um, hope you guys celebrated well. Um, everybody barbecue and fireworks. Everybody do all that. It's not a sin if you do that. Just, just checking. Just seeing. We had, a, we had an interesting weekend. We hung out with some friends and um, ate, watched some fireworks, and all was well until last night when we went to bed, and I was super excited about being here this morning and, and sharing the Word of God with you guys, and couldn't sleep, but finally got to sleep at about 2 o'clock. That's when I went to sleep. And then our neighbor behind us, somebody didn't give him the memo that it's July 4th is the celebration, not July 6th. So he proceeded to have his own celebration at about 2.30 in the morning. Now, I, I, I say all this because these, these fireworks were so loud. I, I stepped out on my front porch and I couldn't even see them. That's how close they were. It was just, all I saw was lights, right? I mean, they were literally going off right above our house. So that was interesting and I got to experience a very close and up personal, like up close and personal firework show that I couldn't even see or enjoy. So Chase might've heard him. I don't know. He's right down the street. So see, not lying, telling the truth. But this morning, um, if you could, if you've got your Bible, turn to Jonah 4. If you have one of our, our Bibles that we give to our guests, it's on page 659. That's going to be our text this morning as we, as we, finish, out, as we finish out Jonah. Um, and as you're turning there, I just want to bring you up to speed for those that haven't been here. It's, it's kind of a light week, being a holiday weekend. But where, we're, where we've been at, what we've been covering for the, for the past four weeks is, is a story of Jonah and, and really looking deep into what what went on with this prophet of God. And we see, we see at the beginning, God, God calls his prophet to Nineveh, to, sorry, my little ear thing's messing up here, to speak against the wickedness and bring, and bring a word from the Lord to that city. And what we, what we see is Jonah decides it'd be better to run in the other direction and go 2,000 miles in the opposite direction, buy a ticket and, and bail out and leave. And then we see God appointing and hurling a storm, um, threatening to break up the ship and the mariners are forced to, to hurl this man overboard into the sea to calm it. We see the sea calm. So then a great fish comes and swallows up Jonah. And he spends the next three days in the belly of that fish, right? We all know that story. Um, then he, once he's in the belly of the fish, he repents. He calls out to God. And God, God then the fish spits him or vomits him up on the shore. And that's where we kind of we pick up the text is he's just, he's just preached this sermon to, to, the, to the city of Nineveh, and in preparation, um, I don't know about y'all, but I think it was like a six-word sermon, right? I mean, I would love to be able to prepare for a six-word sermon, but um, he, he preaches a sermon. We see revival happen, re- repentance, and, and then we find him in a really, really dark place, and that's what I want to, this morning, before we look at the text, I want to I get you guys, not to draw up anything weird, but I'd like for you to, to just search your hearts uh, maybe past, maybe right now, just, just, the, just the darkest place you've ever been. What's the, what's the worst place you've ever been in your life? Right? I just want to look at the, because we, we're fixing to get into to see how, how dark and, and just and, and, and worse off Jonah is um, in this script. So I want to just, I want to see, I mean, and maybe, maybe for you that looks different. It looks different for probably everyone, but maybe for you it was disbelief, disbelief in the gospel disbelief in Jesus. Maybe at one time you didn't believe in Jesus. Maybe one time you didn't believe in God. Um, maybe it's idol worshiping. 
or has been. Maybe you've placed things above God. You've put things above God and, 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 and really just made them your Jesus and made them your Christ. Or, or slandering could be, could be the slandering of your name, slandering of others. Maybe you've, maybe you've spoke out against someone and destroyed maybe their livelihood or their life. Maybe that's happened to you and it's just taking you to a really dark place. Maybe it's disrespect, just being disrespectful to your parents and not just speaking, not just speaking to the kids in here, but to, to adults that maybe have parents that are elderly and just not caring for them like you should. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's murder, right? I mean, I'm, I'm speaking literally. Maybe there's someone in here that's committed murder. I don't know that, but maybe there is. But maybe like Jesus tells us, you know, if we've hated in our heart, we've murdered someone. So that's a dark place too. When you, you spill hate towards others, that's a really, really dark place. Or it's a, it could be adultery. Maybe you're walking through an adulterous relationship. Maybe, maybe you've committed adultery in the past. Maybe adultery has been committed to you. Or you're coveting things. You're coveting, putting things above God, coveting your neighbor's property or, or, or things that you wish you had that you didn't. And that's really where I want to go. I, I don't, like I said, I want to reiterate, I don't say all that to bring up draw up bad feelings or, or bad parts of your past. I just, I want your, I want your heart to be, to be looking in the right direction when we're looking at this text. So let me read through this text real quick this morning. It's on the screen if you don't, you don't have a Bible. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. I'm going to stop real quick because I don't, I didn't understand. I, I mean, why is he angry? Right? Did anybody think that if they've read this before or heard this story, why is Jonah angry? I mean, he just, he just witnessed probably the largest city in the known world at that time come to, come to repentance. So why would he be angry? Why would he have anything to be angry about? And he, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So he knew, he knew God, he knew God would, would, would show mercy and grace on these people, right? <clears throat> says, therefore now, verse three, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. How, how toxic does your life need to be that you're, you're so mad you'd like to die? That's, that's, a, that's a level of anger I, I mean, I'm familiar with, but if you can, if you can uh, place yourself there in anything that we talked about before, it's real. Verse 4 says, And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? So what do you have to be mad about, Jonah? Right? Verse 5 says, Jonah went out, went out of the city and sat to the east of the city. He's going to pout. Can we just say that? He's pouting, right? He's going to pout. <clears throat> said to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. Almost like, almost like time out. He put himself in time out. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So he knows God's not going to destroy these people, but yet he goes and he sits and he waits. He waits for God to destroy the city, knowing full well God won't. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So he, the booth, we just, we just read, he built a booth for himself. He's got shade, right? 
but it, but it stinks. He didn't watch Survivor Man. He doesn't know how to build a good, what, the, what does he call those shelters, right? So now he's got a plant up over him that God appoints to save him from his discomfort. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. Verse 8, when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Now, just to touch on scorching east wind, I'm from, I'm from West Texas, right? We're talking borderline desert climate. If anybody's from there, been there, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so when it says scorching east wind, it's not like a Tennessee, east Tennessee wind, right? A cool breeze coming off the trees, you know what I mean? I didn't experience that until I moved here. It was really awesome. But when you're in West Texas, I can tell you when it's 104 degrees and the wind starts blowing, it's like an industrial hairdryer. It is not comfortable. Okay, so I can only imagine that he's so miserable right now. He's angry. He's miserable. Are y'all, y'all getting this when I'm trying to drive home? How, how just in a bad spot this guy is right now? But God said to Jonah in verse 9, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die, again, to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came, in, <clears throat> which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which were there more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also as much cattle? Let's pray real quick. God, just uh, thank you today. Thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for this story, God, the scripture. I thank you for how it ministered to my heart. Um, I, th- I, I, I ask God that your Holy Spirit would come today and minister to the hearts of the people here. Um, God, and I just pray that, that they see you more clearly walking out of here today. And it's got nothing to do with me or my words, God, but it's got everything to do with you, God, and, and your word and the work of your Holy Spirit, God. Just, I just ask that you would, you would come and, and lift our hearts, God, and, 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 and just comfort us, God. It's in your name that we ask. Amen. <clears throat> so we just, we just realized that Jonah's angry. He's angry with God for not getting his way. He knows better than God. He wants to die, right? He said that like three times. So we, we figured this out. He's just witnessed the largest revival, but he's still displeased with the outcome. And what I'm trying to drive home, the reason I spent so much time breaking that text apart is I want, you to, I want you to understand today that even at our worst, God is always at his best. Right? Jonah, even at Jonah's worst, God is always working for the good of Jonah. Right? I mean, I just want you guys to, to remember that as we, we continue on. But have you ever found yourself in that spot? Right, where, the, where, where God has rescued you from the depths of your sin and disgust and you find yourself angry and alone again. Right, so you're so mad and so angry because what, whatever, the, whatever the reason may be, you didn't get your way, you didn't get something you prayed for, you didn't, you know, something didn't go right. I, I, remember, I remember one time, I mean, God, I saw multiple times over my life God rescue me. I was at a, I was at a party one time and um, it got, an argument got heated between two guys. Right, they started getting real heated, and I wasn't, I wasn't in the best place of my life. I was hanging out with some, you know, some not-so-desirable characters. And I remember this going down, and, and guns came out. Right? I'm sitting here. Well, it goes from, hey, we're all having a good time, to guns. And I remember I'm standing next to this rather large fellow. He was like this, and he looked at me, and he said, 
when this goes down, you better pick a side. And I'm like, time's out. I'm on my side. I'm not, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm, I'm on my team, right? And so by the grace of God, nothing happened, right? I mean, I, I, I view that as a point in my life when I was rescued because I wasn't walking with Jesus. I knew who he was. But I view that as a point in my life where God, and then I just, I found myself right back in it. You know, I mean, just over and over and over again. And whether, whatever it was, whatever the, whatever the sin or whatever the circumstance was, finding myself in that place over and over again. Is that you in this, this morning, anybody? That you just find yourself in those spots? God just steps in, he rescues you, and then you find yourself right back in the same spot. Because that's what Jonah's done. We see him multiple times in the text. He becomes really, really self-righteous. Right? I mean, that's, that's the answer to his anger is a self-righteousness. Verse 1 starts it off with, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Right? So why, why was he angry? I mean, he'd seen, he'd seen revival. He had, he had been saved. Got it. I mean, it wasn't the most, probably the most uh, sought-after way to be saved. He was swallowed by a fish, but he was saved. Right? Anger, his anger is so poisonous. It's such a poison. Right? I mean, anger, anger is so poisonous. And this poison is what tells us that grace isn't for everyone. Right? That, that the Ninevites didn't deserve grace. That's this anger welling up inside Jonah. They're not deserving of grace. They shouldn't get God's grace. That's why he's angry. That's why he's sitting out on a hill pouting. But we know, we know these people in our hearts. We know the people that we think shouldn't, that don't deserve grace, right? Everybody's got that person. And who, who is it for you? That's what I want to ask you this morning is, who, who is it for you? Is it the city of Knoxville in general? I mean, Luke talked about this a few weeks ago. I mean, is it homeless people? Who, who is it that's not deserving of grace? Is it somebody you work with? Maybe it's that guy that's, he's always getting the promotion, Right? He's the guy that you would say that, that climbs on the, what is it, climbs on the backs of others to get to the top. I mean, is it that guy that's not deserving of, of grace? Maybe it's a family member. I know, I know for me it was my dad. You know, my dad, I never knew my dad outside of addiction. And I was an alcoholic, and, and then when, when alcohol didn't suffice, he switched to pain pills. And I never knew him outside of that. And I remember as a, as a kid or, or as a, maybe a teen just praying, God, remove him from our life. Remove him from our family. He's not deserving of your grace. He's done nothing to earn your grace. He's done nothing. Why is he here? He doesn't contribute, right? I mean, that's my dad. So, I mean, you, you might have a family member the same, in the same situation where you, you look at them and say, this person does not deserve grace. Maybe it's not, not as deep as that. Maybe it's that neighbor that flaunts the boat on the weekend, right? It's the neighbor. You know that guy. He's out there. He's waxing that boat up, talking about all the fun he's fixing to have when he wakeboards and such. Do we have those neighbors? I know. I know. I have. I've had them many a times. But we think we think it's we think this often. We think, why do these guys? Why do these people have this stuff instead of me? Why are they getting these things instead of me? What has that person done to deserve any of that? We think. We think this often about others because we think we're better than them. That's the real reason we think that, right? And maybe it's not just things or possessions or, or jobs. Maybe it's sin. Maybe you see someone that's walking through sin and you think they're not deserving of grace. They don't love God. 
we, we do this all the time. We, we scour, as Christians, we scour at homosexuals because we think we're better than them. Right? That's the real reason. We think we're better than them. We judge adulterers because we think we, we would never do that. Right? When, you're, when, you, when you hear of someone walking through adultery or, or have experienced it, you think you're better than them. You think this would never happen to me. I wouldn't do that. But I found myself... I mean, I found myself in the middle of an adulterous relationship, right? And you thank God for His grace and He saved me. And, you know, I just, you just have to look at this because we're, we're all criminals. I can't say that enough. Yeah, we're, we're sinful, but we're all criminals. Can we agree with that? That we, we all deserve death. We know that. We all deserve death. Christ came and, and died for our sins, but Jonah deserved to die. We look at this story and Jonah deserved to die. But at his worst, God is, but at our worst, God is always at his best. And every moment that we just talked about and those, those, those feelings welling up inside you, you need to understand that even in all those moments, even if you're walking through that right now, God is still at his best. We see it, we see it in the thief on the cross. The story I love the story of the thief on the cross. Luke 23, you don't have to turn there. We got it, got it on the screen, but Luke, Luke 23 starts in verse 39. It says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God. Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And I want to look real quick. I want to step out outside of that moment for a second. And I want to, I want to talk about the, I want to talk about the, the crowd. Like this guy, this guy didn't sign up to be hung on the cross. We need to understand that. Like we just say, oh, he's a thief. Yeah. I mean, he, he's being crucified because he's a criminal. He's being, he's being tortured and murdered on a cross because he's a criminal. And think about, think about the families that are in the, uh, in the crowd. We know that Jesus' mom was there. I mean, uh, surely people that were related to these men that were being crucified with Jesus were in the crowd. But also, there was the victims and their families as well. So we need to think about that too. They probably there were probably victims there and family members of victims that wanted to see this guy murdered for what he had done to them. And how do you think it made them feel? How do you think they felt when, when they see Jesus? I mean, I, I'm just, I don't know if they heard Jesus say this. I mean, I don't know distance, obviously, but let's just say they, they, they saw and witnessed Jesus forgive this man. How do you think they felt? Do you think they felt ripped off? Do you think they felt like, this guy doesn't deserve grace. He doesn't deserve this. Look what he's done to me. You know, whatever the, whatever the, cr the crime he committed was, think about that. Because even as people, even while our hearts cry for the destruction of others, our hearts plead for destruction, just like Jonah was pleading for the destruction in his heart for a city of people. God is always at his best slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Always, always, always at his best. 
I can't say, I, I just can't say that enough. Because <clears throat> if Jonah would have got this, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been so ungrateful. And in, in verse, verse 10 of Jonah 4, we see, we see God address the ungratefulness. He says, And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in the night. And should I not, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also as much cattle? The Jonah, if we look at this, Jonah was pleased with the good, He's super pumped about that plant, right? Said he was glad for the plant. And then the worm that God appoints comes and destroys that plant. And he's mad about it. He's angry for the plant. Do we not find, I mean, I find myself in that situation often where I'm super, super stoked about what just went down, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm pumped up. But then as soon as God takes from me, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I don't know what to do. And how often do we praise him? We praise him for our raises, right? We praise him when we get that, we get that job promotion. Maybe, or or just, we just get a job. Maybe we just got a job and we're praising God for that job or the healing. The healing that comes, whatever that healing looks like for you. But the healing comes when we praise God, praise Jesus' name for that. And the provision, God providing for us, right? Nothing, nothing speaks to me it's like my love language is provision. You know, when I, when, when my wife cooks lunch for me, I'm super pumped about it. I mean, it's like, Hey, food. Yay. I like to eat. But, but when that, but when that happens, when we, when we praise God for those things, we, we often turn around and we give the enemy all the glory and recognition for the pain. Right? So when something bad comes, we immediately go to, that's the enemy. And don't get me wrong. I, I fully believe that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about the pain that, that comes and the suffering that comes and, and the recognition for that goes to the enemy when we should, we should suffer well in his name and for his namesake to make him famous. So we can be a testimony to others. You know, not, not to blame shift, but when things go bad, when, when God takes from you, can you say that he's enough? Can you say Jesus is enough when he takes from you? Because in Job, we see that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Job saw the giving. He saw the provision. And he saw the, he saw the removal. He saw the taking away. Can you say that? Because he, I mean, Job did. He said, and blessed be the name of the Lord. I know it's tough. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just asking. Do you do that currently? Can you say that Jesus is enough? And when these times come, or just in day-to-day life, is God, is God displeasing to you? That's a question I want you to ask yourself today, too, is, is God displeasing to you? And you should think about it. Does he, does he sit well with you? He wasn't, Jonah was exceedingly displeased with, with, with God. He was angry. Is everything you do pleasing to him? I know everything, everything I do is not pleasing to him. It doesn't please him when I, when, I, when I get frustrated and I lose my temper with my kids. It doesn't please him when I, when I don't honor my spouse like I should. It doesn't please him when I'm not a good steward with, with the provisions that he's given me, whether it be finances or, or anything. I know that that stuff doesn't please him, but 
But thank God, right? Thank God for the cross. And even, again, even at our worst, in those moments, even at our worst, God is always at his best. What tends to happen, and what what happened with Jonah as well, uh, and coupled to self-righteousness, was being self-consumed. A story in the Bible we see, we see another story in the Bible we see self con, being self-consumed is the prodigal son, the older brother, specifically. Luke 15, verse 28, it's on the screen. It says, but he was angry and refused to go in, speaking of the older brother. Again, he's angry. This guy's angry. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Really? It says, but when, when this son, verse 30, but when, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that, all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The older brother did not seek out community. We don't seek out community. When our hearts are in this place, you don't, you don't seek out your friends, right? What do you do when you're, when you're in a worst possible pit? You run, you hide. Is that not, I, that's what I want to do. I don't want to face people. And that's, that's, that's what the older brother was doing here. He wasn't seeking out community. He wanted to stay outside by himself and pout. Our lives, our lives and what we have going on, they're way more important than the call that God has placed on our life. Right? Maybe we're too busy for community. We're too busy to hang out one more night a week with people that are supposed to be doing life with us and, and pouring into us. We're too busy to be missional. The Great Commission, the Great Commission is not just for overseas. It's not just to go and, and preach the good news to, to Africa and, and those places. I'm not saying those things are bad. What I'm saying, though, is we can be missional right here. You can be missional to your neighbor across the street. You can be missional to your family, to yourself. It's not about getting on a plane and, dry, and flying 30 hours. It's also about being missional to, to ourselves and the people we love and that surround us to seek out community, not lock ourselves away. And, and, and being self-consumed, that's, that's the first thing you want to do is retreat. We sing, we sing a, we're going to sing a song today. Excuse me, I'm going to drink. We're going to sing a song today um, that Matt, Matt wrote, one of our, our worship leaders. And I just want to share the lyrics with you. Just because I want you to, I want the, I want the lyrics to minister to your heart. I, it, since we've sang this song, or been singing this song, this song ministers to me deeply. And I want to share the part of the lyrics with you just so today when we sing this song, I hope it speaks to you. It speaks to your heart and the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this song. Because this, this, these lyrics talk specifically about being self-consumed and what we do to God in this process. It says, no, we've got it on the screen too, but it says we're self-consumed, delight in all but you. We push you far from view. We complain. We have spurned your grace, provoked you to your face. 
we retreat to familiar things and hold you at arm's length. We accuse, we tell you what to do as though you were ours to use. Now the poison of the pride of self is coursing through our veins. We need to see the Savior who sustains. Our wounds are deep. We need to see. That song is amazing. And it's got, you know, another verse or two with amazing lyrics as well. But those, those lyrics, when I was prepping for this, those lyrics were just speaking to me because I just kept remembering that looking at being self-consumed, how well those spoke to that. And just when we look and do a self-examination of being self-consumed and not seeking out community, you guys, you need to remember, I'm going to say it again, right? Even, even at our worst, God is always at his best. But we see, we see this over and over again in Scripture, how God is, God is always working for our good and his glory. We see it over and over again. Because what we have is, on a hill outside of a city, a man sat pouting and pleading in his heart for the destruction of a city, right? That's where Jonah went, outside, made himself a little cruddy booth, sat under it, pouting. And he's crying, he's pleading in his heart for the destruction of a city. He knows God won't destroy this city, but yet he's sitting there waiting and watching and wondering when God's going to destroy the city. But you understand that on another, on another hill, outside of another city, a man pleaded for your life on a cross as he was being murdered. You see the, you see the differences there? I hope you do. They're dras drastically different. Dra drastically different. Drastically different. Gosh, I can't talk. And that's what it's about. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But yet the other man sat out on this, on this hill pleading and angry, f mad about God not destroying a people. He had nothing to do with creation at all. Why was he angry about this? We were, we were brutally torturing God's son to death. And all he, all he was thinking about in that moment was saving the world, saving you and saving me. I mean, if that doesn't speak love, abounding in steadfast love, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what else I can pull out of the pocket to, to make that clear, but we need to let that sink in for a moment, that we were murdering Christ and all God was thinking about was saving us. He sent Jesus for us. And, but where I, where I kind of got, I had to do a self-examination was, who, who, do, who do we think we are that we, get to, that we get to dish out grace, that we get to point out who deserves grace and who doesn't? What have we done as a people to deserve the right to do that? We didn't create these people. We didn't create the, we didn't create the, the people that you're mad at or the people you're angry with or thinking they don't deserve grace. We had nothing to do with it. But then again, even at our worst, God is always at his best. <clears throat> how does all this apply to you? How does, it, how does it help you on date night on Tuesday night? How does it, how does it apply when you, when you have destructive feelings towards, towards someone? How does it apply? The simple answer is you just have to trust God. That's the simple answer. You trust God. You trust God because 
because God, God is, God is all knowing and sovereign and we trust him and we have to trust that he's always working for our good and his glory. We have to be okay with that. We're not okay with that because we, we want to be the glory thieves. We want to rob that glory, but we have to be okay with it. We have to be okay with trusting God because when we don't trust God, we have to be big. We've got to be big. We've got to save the world. We have to save us. Me, 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 I, 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 we have to do this and we can't. That's the whole point. That's why God came to, Jesus came to die for you. You just have to trust him. Because if we don't, it makes us self-righteous and ungrateful. But how do you react to the sinner next to you? Right? I mean, we're, you know, there, there's, there's saved people in here. There's lost people in here. How do you react to the sinner next to you? Do their sins deserve to be forgiven? When you're looking at them, and I know that when we're saved, you know, we, we've got... We're, we're, we're holding Christ's banner, and we're, but we're still, we're still sinful in nature. We still sin. We still fall. But what's your response to those people? Is your response grace? Is your, is your response, you know, just to, just to ignore them? Do you seek community with them? Do you seek to help them? Do you seek to speak into their life? There's a lot of wisdom in this room. I've met some of you through our three or four months here that that are extremely, extremely packed full of wisdom. But you've got to reach out to these people that, that, that are walking. They're so new in their walk with Christ. I'm going to invite the, the band to come up um, real quick. But I just want to point out, if you don't already know, I'm going to point this out. Jonah's story ends very, very abruptly. Can we all agree with that? It doesn't end well. We don't, know, we don't know what happens to Jonah. It's like a bad movie, right? I mean, it's just like you're reading it and all of a sudden it's, you know, God's, hey, so why are you mad? And then we don't know. Jonah's left sitting under this dead tree in this cruddy shade he made, mad. We have no idea. We have no idea what, what, what's happened to him, what will become of him. He's only mentioned a few other times in the Bible. Nothing speaks to the conclusion of his story. It's a, it's a sad, sad ending. We want to see that he's alone. When I first read through the story and I was prepping, I, I felt like he was alone. But then it dawned on me, he's not alone. Right? God's right there pleading, pursuing Jonah every step of the way. Even in the fish, even on the boat, when he's running. Now he's in the desert, mad, complaining, and, and angry. He's still, pursuing, he's still pursuing him. Even when he's begging to die, God is still, God is still trying to, to draw him in. He's pursuing him in his destructive thoughts for the city. He, he's pleading, like I said again, he's pleading in his heart for the destruction of the city. Yet God's still pursuing him. God's still trying to, to win his heart. But he's missing it. He's missing every, every moment again and again and again and again. He's missing it. And what I, what I want to plead with you today is don't, don't let your story end this way. I don't, I, I'm, I, I'm not really being biased on if you're saved or lost. Because you, you can walk around and be totally oblivious to the pursuit of God of your heart. The, the, you could just be oblivious to it. it may, you may not even rec recognize or realize it's happening. You may just say, well, I was really lucky. 
I got out of that one. You have to remember that a man on a hill, he cried out. He was brutally murdered for your life to be spared so you could stand spotless and blameless in front of God. You have to remember that. I have to remind myself of that every single day. That even at my worst, God is always at his best. And that's what the story, that's what the story to me speaks. The story over the past four weeks, this being the fifth week, has spoke to me that, that no matter how bad it gets, God is always at his best. He doesn't miss it. We miss it, but he doesn't miss it. And we're going to, if you guys could just, just stand real quick with me, we're going to close out. But um, as Kevin said at the beginning, we're gonna, we have communion available in the back during worship. And I asked today, I asked today that you would, that you would, you would examine your heart. We started out the service with you examining your heart for the worst place you've ever been. And I ask that today, right now, during this time, as we sing these songs, the worship team leads us in, in, in worship. I pray that, I just would ask that you would just examine your heart. And if there's anything you need to repent of today, saved or lost. I mean, if saved, repent of sin, repent of, of anything, any wrongdoing to others or yourself or just being displeased with God maybe on something. Maybe you're harboring something against God that you're displeased with Him. Maybe you're angry about something that has happened in your life. And I pray that you would repent of that. And if you're, if you're lost today and you don't know God, if you're here, I pray that you would take, take Christ today. Take Jesus. You can do that at the back. We'll have Kevin and Rebecca at the back to pray, on, or maybe on this side. And then Wes, Wes will be in the back. And then me and my wife, Brandy, will be, will be over here to pray with you. And I just pray that and ask that if this is you today, that you would, you would just let all that down. Right? Just let it go. Just ask God to, ask the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, come into your life, repent, and just take Jesus today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, I thank you just, I thank you for how good you really are, God. I thank you for, for your son. God, and we have destructive hearts, God. We, we have destructive thoughts. We, uh, we're not good, God, but, and, but you are. You're so good. You're so good that you sent, you sent your son to die on a cross. You sent your son to be murdered for me. God, for me. <clears throat> I thank you so much. I thank you for the people here today, God, their willingness to be here. God, the Holy Spirit, God, that's just moving here today. And as we sing and we worship, I, I, I pray that people are able to lift their hands, God, and just rejoice in you. Examine their hearts. God, cry out if they need to. Ask you for forgiveness, God. Cry out that, they, that they're sorry for being displeased with you and angry with you, God, because you are so good. I pray, God, that you would move. Your Holy Spirit would move today in the hearts of these people. I can't say that enough, God. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. <laughs> I thank you for your mercy. Most of all, just, just, I just thank you for you being you. That even at our worst, God, you're always at our best, working, working for our good and your glory. 
It's in uh, Jesus' name I ask this. Amen.